Episode 9 of Scuba Obsessed, Divers of Heart. Welcome divers and those hoping to become divers to Episode 9 of Scuba Obsessed. This week we'll be talking about last week's dive show, this weekend's dive, and we have a special guest from Dive Heart, Jim Elliott. Uh, This week in the news, we have Whites is purchased by Aqualung, scuba diving drug smuggler foiled in the sewer, scuba diving with sharks in the Indian Ocean, Dive Education Company moves headquarters, and Shark with Frisbee is rescued by divers. How you doing today, Jim? I'm doing great. How are you? I feel pretty good. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend, getting back into the water, and I'm glad that it is Thursday. Not quite as good as Friday, other than we've got this great show, Scuba Obsessed, going on. Right. Looking forward to that every week, too. Yep. But uh, before we get going too too long uh we have a special guest uh normally we like to do our guests live on the show this week uh he he had a good excuse you know we we let him out of class uh specifically because he had to go in the class he's going to go in the pool but it was jim elliott from dive heart so uh we'll you got anything to say before we run into the program jim no, I, it was a joy to speak uh, speak with Jim. Uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things, and I would recommend that uh, uh, if somebody is listening, take a look at their website and look at some of the pictures. Uh, you'll really appreciate some of the things that they can do with that program. Certainly, and for those of you who don't know, Dive Heart is a program that is uh, where they take uh, disabled individuals, many times veterans. They give them in the water, and it does a lot for their spirit, for their energy, for their health. Uh, but you don't want to listen to me talk about it. Why don't we go ahead and let Jim tell you about it as we did with the dive interview. So sit back and listen. This week we'd like to welcome Jim Elliott from Dive Heart to the program. How you doing, Jim? Oh, doing great. Uh, can can you give us a little bit of uh, uh, history about uh, the organization you're with, Dive Heart? Yeah, Dive Heart is a um, we're a 501c3, uh, totally volunteer nonprofit organization. We're uh, we're based in um, uh, the Chicagoland area. However, we help facilitate programs actually all over the world. Um, we're a nonprofit. We've helped spin off six nonprofits around the U.S. and probably been to about 50 cities ar- around the U.S. But we also reach out and have started programs in China and Australia, um, all over the Caribbean, and. Um, um, to just continue to continuing to do that to to uh, to get the word out about adaptive scuba. Uh, so, what is adaptive scuba? Well, um, I'll tell you kind of how Dive Heart got started and how I how I got into this and, and my thoughts how they trans you know uh, kind of uh, developed uh, in the area of scuba therapy. Uh, my daughter's blind from birth and and I got her um, involved when she was nine. She struggled with being mainstreamed with sighted children. Uh, the sighted kids teased her on the playground and she said, Dad, I could read and she could. She could read a two inch letter about a half an inch from her, her right eye. And she said, you know, I can read. I'm like everybody else. I don't understand why I'm being teased. You know, and she decided she could she was sighted then and she didn't want to be blind. So she threw down her cane and refused to learn Braille. And she really needed to learn Braille to continue in school. So I desperately tried to get her involved in something to make her feel better about herself. Um, you know, kids just want to be like, you know, 
everybody else uh you know they, they don't want to be different and so I, I got her involved in downhill skiing and um actually after a couple of weeks she'd go to school and they'd say well would you do this weekend Aaron?" and she'd say well i went skiing and they go yeah right you're blind how do you ski and she'd say no here's the here's the pictures and they go oh my god that is so cool you're blind and you ski how do you do that and all of a sudden a paradigm shift occurred and, and an identity change and all of a sudden it wasn't Aaron the blind kid anymore it was Aaron the the, um, the skier and all of a sudden she felt good about herself started and it built her you know helped with confidence and independence so it was kind of a quality of life improvement and she excelled then in everything grade school middle school high school she won awards you know and I blame it on the skiing and and it helped her and our family but it also helped friends I mean I had friends that said Jim you know I was always afraid to take on this challenge in my life until I saw your daughter skiing and I thought God you know she can ski and she's blind I certainly can do this you know and and so I said wow this is really powerful I mean here this here this friend of mine who who doesn't even know my daughter well is taking on challenges in his life that he, he wouldn't have taken on before because he was inspired by my daughter who's blind and skis and I thought wow you know I, I mean I've been diving since 76 and I and I always wanted to be an instructor and and thought you know boy if skiing is this powerful I can imagine what scuba diving can do with no gravity and inherent hyperbaric benefits and all sorts of stuff you know get somebody um, you know out of a wheelchair and get them in the water and teach them how to fly this will really change their lives and um, and so that's when you know after almost 30 years in the media business with the Tribune and WGN and a local television station I um, I left the media. I, I became a volunteer full time, and 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 uh, started Dive Heart and incorporated in two thousand and one, and um, been doing it ever since. That's amazing. Uh, what type of is there some qualifications for somebody with a disability that you're looking for? Is uh, yeah, uh, we see the veterans. Is uh, do are you doing non-veteran programs? Yeah, we actually started out with the Shriners Hospital and took a lot of kids with spinal injuries. Um, we went on to the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago and worked with uh, cognitive and spinal. And now we do, we do everything pretty much. We, we've had tremendous success with autism, traumatic brain injuries, uh, mental retardation, Down syndrome, as well as um, you know spinal injuries, uh, amputees. Um, you know, and, and, and just reaching out to any, everybody with disabilities. Um, the only thing that really keeps people from scuba diving would be pressure-related illnesses, and that could be, you know, wounds to the head. It could be um, blood-related illnesses. And then open wounds, obviously, if you, you've just gone through a surgery or something, you know, you're not going to be a candidate for diving right then, but, but once you heal, maybe. And then people who have seizures can't go real deep. Um, we can do some shallow stuff with them. I actually thought that um, we kind of uh, incorporated the full face mask with communications into our into our program to help with blind divers because I thought you know there's not going to be anything in this sport for blind diving you need your visual references and stuff and what happened was I found out when I did the training that wow your other senses kick in I'm thinking well how do we make this better we'll incorporate the full face mask with communications so we do that and now what we do is we narrate to a blind person so we'll put their hands on the prop of a boat and say you know and talk to them and say this boat went down you know in 1800 and it was doing this and you know they were carrying whatever and and so you kind of narrate to them and tell them a little story and it makes it so much more interesting
thing. And I can also, I don't have to hold on to their hand and tactically guide them. What I can do is use, I can push a button and talk to them and using clock references, uh, I can guide them around. I've guided people, blind people through entire shipwrecks without touching them, just talking them through using clock references. And then what we do is we say 12 o'clock is always straight ahead. And, you know, so, you know, off of your left shoulder, it would be nine o'clock off of your right shoulder would be three o'clock. And then we just, we finesse that pretty much. And then we started using the full face mask for traumatic brain injury, um, uh, diver or divers with traumatic brain injuries. And then also for anybody with a cognitive disability that we were concerned might not want to keep the regulator in their mouth, you know? So we, um, we started using it, and now we we just uh, it's it's an integral part of our program, and uh, has allowed so many people to to try diving that never would have done it before. We've had people who couldn't put a regulator regulator in their mouth to save their life, uh, maybe because of uh, we had one guy who's a marine who had a facial dis- deformities because a grenade blew up uh, in Iraq, and. Um, uh, left him as a triple amputee, and and he had these facial problems, and and the full face mask worked great for him, and uh, but then then we've used it again for for autistic and and traumatic brain injury um, divers, and you know it's it's worked out really well. What type of pra- training program are these new divers going through to accommodate uh, the di- them? The disabled divers. Yes. Um. Basically, they 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 uh, you know they go through the same training that that you or I would go through if they're able to understand that if they're if they're cognitively okay and they can comprehend then they just go through you know the material the training materials with whatever agency you know you want to teach them with um, the thing is once you get past you know some of the all the academics and you get to the skill part then you might have then you start adapting and that's where our training really kicks in the dive heart training takes you through um you know being blind and being a paraplegic and a quadriplegic and um you know the buddies and instructors and course directors that i train um you know go through a lot of empathy training and and we task load them and get them ready to work with uh, divers with disabilities but the the individual with the disability themselves would just um you know let's say they were a double amputee they can't do a giant stride so they're going to do a front roll entry so we just adapt and if they can, you know maybe they're an incomplete quadriplegic and they and they have some movement in their arms but they can't remove and replace their BCD. So what we do is we just adapt the skills and and they do things with assistance. Or you know what? They, they don't do things – they don't have to do the skill at all if they're going to have uh, two buddies in the water with them at all times. And that's some of the certifications that we you know that we do is, is you know somebody who's a complete quadriplegic who doesn't move their arms or legs at all still needs to be able to clear the regulator if you put it in their mouth. So once we get past that, basically, you're, you know, you're just helping them equalize um, and you're taking them on a tour. And, and otherwise, uh, you know, the buddies are doing everything. And uh, the individual really only has to, has to understand that they can't hold their breath, they need to equalize, and has to have a system of communications that we work out. And that's where the full face mask works out too because I can push the button on their mask and they can talk to me. And, and they have to be able to move their head. So... Uh, even a sea level injury, like a spinal injury, um, if it's too high and they can't move their head, then they're really probably not a candidate for scuba diving. If, but if they um, if they can nod their head yes or no, then I we're fine. I, I give them the okay sign. They say yeah, I'm fine, or they shake their head no. And then we have a protocol 
a protocol of things that we go through, a list of, you know, a checklist, and, and, and we just knock off the, the things that uh, we think it might be. They might need to be equalized. They might need to have, you know, their mass cleared. They might, you know, and once we've gone through that, if there's still a problem, then we surface. But, but otherwise, we can pro- probably, you know, solve the problems underwater, which is what we try to do. Hey, Jim, as, as we're talking about that, I hadn't even thought about, uh, you know, I had thought from the people side of it, interacting with people who would have a disability and aiding them and assisting them. When you started this, you said it was in 2001, is that correct? That's, that's when we incorporated, right. Okay. Um, I've been it, teaching uh, divers with disabilities since 97. Okay. How did you how did you come across, I mean, it's it's one thing to teach a an able-bodied person uh, who's pretty much self-sufficient to scuba dive. How mm-hmm. did you come up with these protocols? And, and um, it's fascinating to me. How did you how did you get that ball rolling? Did were there other organizations you could uh, get help from, or is this something that you had to create from the ground up? Well, we've we've had, we've created a lot on our own uh, since we started in '97 um, and adapted a lot and uh, come up with our own protocols, but. When we started, there were there were really only two organizations out there, and they both had been around since the early 80s. And um, one was the Handicapped Scuba Association, the other was the International Association of Handicapped Divers. And um, and what we we happened to just go with the Handicapped Scuba Association because they were based in the U.S. It was a little easier to work with them. And um, and the first thing we did is when we became a nonprofit is we uh, we raised you know funds to train up and and um, and get certified to to learn to work with people with disabilities in that way. Um, I had been working previous to that with people with disabilities and just using the regular you know certifications I was able to. For example, open water or scuba diver certification. Um, when I started mm-hmm. as a I started as a PADI instructor, and uh, now I'm a SDI instructor trainer and HS, HSA instructor trainer. But um, you know even as a um, a paddy instructor, you can adapt skills and you could teach an amputee, you know, to do stuff. And you know what, mm-hmm. if you don't think that they can go with any other diver, you probably wouldn't give them an open water cert, but you might give them a scuba diver cert. So they have to dive with a professional, a, a dive master or an instructor. And that would give them some some freedom to be able to travel on their own and, and, and go diving on their own. And what we do now with Dive Heart is we, a lot of times, will dual search somebody. So we may give them that same level of certification where they need to dive with an instructor or a dive master and they can travel independently and do that. Or we'll, we'll, we'll also certify them where they need two buddies. So that way they can travel with two of their friends and they, they don't have to dive with an instructor or a dive master. The two buddies are trained. They can take them. They can you know, dive within their limits, obviously, and uh, go anywhere in the world and, and, and do that. So so it's nice. They have some options now. So, But we did, we did lean on the uh, the agencies that were out there um, sure. when we started um, what was interesting is when I went to DEMA the first time uh, I had a booth there I had so many instructors come up to me from these agencies and they said they said Jim you know if I, well, I was certified five years ago or three years ago and they came and they trained me and they left and then I didn't know what to do and and what I saw right away was we needed to create a business model to help instructors and dive shop operators um, and resorts 
um, know how to how to deal with this this situation and, and teach them how to market and teach them how to reach out to the community. And so when we go in and we start a facility like in Toledo, for example, I just won't go in and do three days of training. What I'll do is uh, I'll have to have a champion on the ground in Toledo to help me with this. But we we when I'll go in a couple of days early and I'll reach out to you know I'm a lion, a shriner, a rotarian, and a moose, and we'll reach out to service organizations and, and I'll present to them when I go there. And uh, a couple of days early and say, look, if Johnny in a wheelchair is coming back from Iraq or Afghanistan or something and he can't afford this program that can change his life, you know, we're going to need you to you Rotarians to step up and, and help out. And so I, I, you know, appeal to them that way. And I also tell them that that this new program in Toledo is is really a resource for, for people with disabilities. So we need them to reach out to the community and say, hey, you know what, you're, you know, Johnny just became a quadriplegic in a car accident. This might be a perfect thing to get him out of depression because there's a huge amount of depression alcoholism and drug abuse and suicide among people with disabilities. Um, one of the statistics very few people know is that more more soldiers, more, you know, more military personnel committed suicide uh, when they came back from Vietnam than died in that war. And already in Afghanistan and Iraq, more have come home and committed suicide than have died in both conflicts combined. And the reason for that is the triage is so good. People are getting saved, and they're live, but they're losing, you know, their arms and legs, and they're uh, they're not dying because of the armor and stuff. But they're getting traumatic brain injuries, and that's affecting them in a whole myriad of ways. Um, so, right. you know, yeah. So it's it's something that this is really powerful, and we got to reach out to as many, especially like vets and, and and people that are, you know, they come back. You know, they went into the to the service as uh, supermen. You know, basically they're invincible. I mean, that's what they're trained to do. They're Marines or whatever. They're running through walls, and all of a sudden they come back and they, you know, they have a traumatic brain injury. They have no sight. They have no legs. They have you know spinal injury, and you know they lose their fiancés. Their friends aren't hanging with them anymore. They're sitting on the couch. They're getting depressed. And rather than you know, put people out, they're going to off themselves, you know, and, and that's what's happening. And we need to, and they all have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So we, we need to reach out to these guys and, and girls and get them in, in the water and, and create a paradigm shift in their life and say, you know what, now it's not Johnny in the wheelchair anymore. It's Johnny the scuba diver. And now when the guy rolls into a room, people go, oh yeah, Johnny dives. No way, he doesn't die. Yeah, he does. Johnny, and then boom, Johnny pops in the in the DVD and shows him doing a wreck dive or a shark dive, and people are like going, "Oh, dude, that is so cool, man! I can't believe right. you're a diver," because so many able-bodied people don't dive. It 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 sets them apart in in a, in a sport or an activity that is just a high adventure, and that's what these guys need. I mean, they. I mean, that's what they're. The adrenaline—that's their drug. I mean, they, that's what they, why they went into the military. You know, this whole thing um, now can be converted into into scuba diving. And and what our vision is is to take all the sedentary downtime that individuals with disabilities have, create a passion for diving, create this paradigm shift in the individual, helping the individual, and then point them in a direction where they might continue their education, you know, use the GI Bill, for example, with vets, and go to a place like the Florida Keys Community College where we have a, a relationship and, and get them involved in coral reef restoration or underwater archaeology or, you know, oceanography or marine sciences. Um, the whole underwater world and, opens up. The whole oh my world God. opens up for them now. Absolutely. It, now, now, 
Yeah, I was just, now you have a potential vocation. So you help the individual if they it, you you you're helping the environment, and and if they can get a job at it, now now they're going to give you a paycheck. So you help the economy too. So it's a win win win. Right now, when we we talk about the the differences for it, we, your daughter, hey, you know she's a skier, and people don't believe it. And talking about the the quadriplegic that's that's a diver, and people don't believe it. When somebody gets underwater, even though you've got the gear on, do you ever see that switch get flipped for them where they realize this is a whole new world? I mean, can you can you sense that in a person right away? Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the high for me is when, and and what's really cool is when when somebody comes up with a disability and is like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing in the world, and I've had people actually come back back to the boat and cry because they look up and they see their wheelchair on the boat and they realize now they're a slave to gravity again, um, but but also the buddies, I mean, lawyers and doctors and you know engineers and and firefighters and whoever comes on and helps us as a volunteer. Once you know they get they go through a trip, and I'll tell you what, men cry on a regular mm-hmm. basis when we get back and we do a debriefing at the end of a day or at the end of a trip. We do a little banquet, and everybody goes around the room and says, "This has changed my life." You know, it's powerful stuff. Very moving. What an awesome thing! What does it take to be the buddy diver? Um. It's uh, it's the the course that we run is um, it's it's a lot of empathy training. Uh, you learn you learn about different disabilities, but you know there's so much information out there. And just like autism, there's like you know dozens and dozens of spectrums of autism, and there's no way you're going to be an expert. The real the real uh, meat and potatoes of what we do is learning how to adapt. And and if you're an instructor or a dive master, you already kind of know that when you work with students, able-bodied students. But what we do is we run them through a program where they're blind, paraplegic, and quadriplegic. And then we also have them do some scenarios that they wouldn't normally do. We have them do a lot of buddy breathing, which is something most people don't do again. But now they're buddy breathing and they're blind. Or now they're buddy breathing with a blind diver or a paraplegic diver. And now it's not just about controlling your buoyancy. It's about controlling your buoyancy and the safety of another diver. Or in this case of a quadriplegic, you know, you're equalizing him as well as descending with him in a controlled fashion and managing the team that's with you. You might have two or three other divers with you helping you with this quadriplegic. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I've had Navy SEALs struggle with that. I mean, when I was training in Coronado, um, these guys, I thought, what am I going to train Navy SEALs? What am I going to teach Navy SEALs? But these guys struggled just like everybody else because they're not used to doing it. It was all new stuff. And, you know, they might be great at doing black water diving and setting demolitions. But when it comes to being loving and caring and taking down a quadriplegic in a very controlled and slow fashion, you know, controlling everybody's buoyancy and making sure you don't drop to the bottom and, and give this person a squeeze, you know, they struggle just like everybody else. So it, um, I think every instructor and every dive master should go through this course. And I've had so many shop owners say that. They go, Jim, you know what? If every shop did this, Every you know they would have a whole new look at at, di- at scuba diving, and you know what they would be way more empathetic not only with disabled divers but with their able-bodied divers. And I think you know empathy is needed in this industry because 
you know, um, you know, we could, we should check the macho stuff at the door. I mean, you know, and just and and do this in a loving way, and you'll you'll draw so many more people to scuba diving. It, it won't even be funny. And, and honestly, this is the fastest way for scuba to grow because I tell shop owners, you know, somebody rolls into your dive shop in a wheelchair, you don't sell one set of gear, you sell three because that guy needs two buddies. You get six guys in chairs, twelve buddies. Now you got eighteen people. Now you got a trip. Now you're selling the accessories that go along on a trip, right? And they, they, it's just like this. This look comes over their face. They're like, "Wow, I never thought of that." And you know, there's there, you know, there's some fear of liability and stuff like that. But you know, it's you, it's no more dangerous than it is with anybody else. And and you have waivers and you have insurance, and that's why we do it. And as long as you dive conservative and safe with people with disabilities, you're going to be fine. That's as you're sitting there talking about uh, the buddies. I'm looking through some of the photographs on. Uh the Dive Heart website at DiveHeart.org, and, and there mm-hmm. are some amazing photographs in there. Um, you know, you can see people with disabilities up on the boat or up on the dock, down in the water. Um, everybody's even, just like you said. It's a it, what an equalizer. Yeah, well, it's it's tremendous for for an individual, and and, and this is a sport that is is going to be a therapy. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it's inherently hyperbaric. So that, you know, for example, you know, uh, there's a hyperbaric chamber right near us in, in the Chicagoland area that got a grant from the VA to 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 work with uh, vets coming back with traumatic brain injuries from these IEDs that are blowing up, right? Mm-hmm. And so so they're, they're mo- the, the money that they've gotten is basically take them, put them in a hyperbaric chamber where they lay down still and breathe 100% oxygen at the surface and, and do that 20 times, or, you know, and, and, see, and see if there's any kind of response, you know, start doing measurements. And we can do that. We can put them on 40% nitrox, take them in a, in a 40-foot environment and, you know, do the same kind of measuring except what we get is we also get range of motion. And we also get all sorts of other physical benefits that, and, 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 you know, and other chemicals that are released in the body, adrenaline, you know what I mean? I mean, this is exciting, you know, so, so now other things are kicking in that don't kick in when you're sitting in a, in a hyperbaric chamber. And um, when we start measuring this stuff, man, I'm telling you, this is going to blow the doors off of any therapy that's out there because it's the only one that has no gravity. Yeah, that, that's great. Now, is there anybody actually – Doing a study like that? Are you compiling the data? Yeah, we have we have uh, the head of the spinal injury program at the VA in Long Beach is is doing stuff specific with spinal injury, vessel uh, spinal injuries. Um, we have uh, Angel Cologne, who's uh, one of the chief physicians at the Miami VA, who's doing stuff from a psychological perspective. And then Jeffrey Nard, who's uh, at Camp Pendleton, is going to be launching a program. He's the head psychi- uh, psychiatrist there. Um, we've had some stuff done here. We work with the Heinz VA here in Illinois, and uh, we do stuff at Great Lakes. Um, we have some measurements going on there, but um, this is we're honestly we're we're where you know skiing was 60 years ago for people with disabilities. If you would have rolled into Vail 60 years ago in a wheelchair, they'd go, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> you know. Right. And now, right. and now that's but now I, I'm I'm about to Sunday. I still guide and teach blind skiers. I'm leaving Sunday for Snowmass, and and I and I guarantee you, everywhere you go. 
they have PSIA instructors that are certified in sit skis and mono skis and blind skiing and outriggers. And that's where we're going with diving, only with the very, very tip of the iceberg. 95% of the people with disabilities don't even realize it's an option for them. So as they, as we create awareness, and, and thank you very much for this opportunity to talk to people, as we create awareness and more people realize that it's an option, they're going to be rolling into dive stores and they're going to be saying, hey, I, I heard this interview. I saw this in Money Magazine or on CNN and and I'd like to know more about it and it's going to take a lot of dive operators by surprise but I think once they start looking into it and, and we get we get the dive operators and instructors around the country and around the world trained upright they're going to be able they're going to see this is an incredible way to grow their business because you know I was telling you when we facilitate programs we reach out I go in a couple of days early and we reach out to the children's hospitals we reach out to the VA we reach out to the media and when I leave they, the the people there in, in the Toledo example, have a relationship now with the Shriners, local Shriners Hospital, and they, the you know, media has come and done a and done a piece on them because we did a Discover Scuba and in, in the uh, as part of the training, which which we you know which we build into it, and um, and now they now we become a referral service for Toledo, and then we also become a free consultant. So they could, if you know somebody rolls in with a traumatic brain injury and they go, Jim, Jim, we did all this physical stuff, but this is our first TBI diver what do we do I, you know i just talk them through it and you know we've probably trained probably 500 600 buddies and probably 3 or 400 instructors around the world and we train every month locally but we also reach out and, and train folks all over the country like in march i'm you know i think on the 17th i leave for napa and then uh then we go to beneath the sea at the end of the the month to to promote it in uh new jersey and i tomorrow i go to beneath the, or i go to uh the ghost ships festival in milwaukee and we do a discover with a discover scuba with a bunch of vets there and and we tie in rotary and you know a local rotary club to to help bring the community in because you know when you reach out to the community as a dive shop and you start saying hey I'm doing this for vets and kids in, in our community and we need support you know what you're going to get a whole lot of folks that never even thought about scuba diving they're going to want to step up and learn to dive because they want to help people in, in this right. area right now how does how does somebody go about uh, getting involved um, they can, the easiest way is go to the website, diveheart.org goes, uh, info at diveheart goes right to me. And I have teams that I, you know, sh shoot the emails out to if, if you're in South Florida or if you're in, uh, you know, in Long Beach or if you're in, you know, d depending upon what part of the country you're in, if we have teams there. We also, w what's really unique about Diveheart too is we link to to all the other adaptive programs. So, for example, you know, when we started, there was only two training agencies. But but because of all the shows we've gone to and the marketing that we've done and promotion that we've done, you know, and, and just saying this is good business, you guys. You know, um, you know now SDI, SSI, and now we have have adaptive scuba programs. Uh, there's there's um, Suds is doing stuff out of Walter Reed. Um, you know, uh, Operation Deep Down is in New Mexico. Uh, we support the Challenges Foundation in in uh, in L.A. and uh, Eagle Eagle Divers in Tennessee. And so they're they're coming. They're, it's so cool because it's like spreading seeds. You know, it's like all of a sudden you see all these trees starting to grow, and it's like wow. You know, and and we link to them and we support them and we send people their way. And then you know, in high tide all boats rise. And and 
I believe that you know we should we should all work together and and just raise the level of awareness and and help grow the business and then everybody will benefit. And you know what? When we run out of people with disabilities, then we'll fight over it. But you know, right now, let's all <laughs> right. work, let's all work together. Well, there's there's plenty more diving to do, even if that does happen. Yeah, exactly. So that you know, that's kind of that's kind of our story. Um, one of the only other things we're doing, which is really exciting, is um, in about 120 days we're going to have a proposal for a facility that's going to be set up not only for training people with disabilities, but it's going to be set up for um, for research and for rehabilitation and education. So um, we're going to reach out to. To folks to help us, you know, do that. We'd love to do it in Illinois. We think that, you know, in the Chicagoland area, we're, we're convenient to the world with O'Hare Airport and Midway and rail transportation and uh, major highways. So, um, you know, and there's awful lot of philanthropic giving in in, uh, in in the Chicagoland area and in Illinois. So we're hoping that um, that that'll that'll happen um, in the not too distant future. Um, then also we, we received a grant from the Department of Veterans Affairs here in Illinois. We, you know, for free, we train vets and active military, um, vets with disabilities all over the state um, to, to scuba dive. And, you know, we, we took 30 people down to Cozumel in December and about a dozen of them were vets with disabilities. And we went to dive with Dive Paradise and you know that was perfect because I in July last year I trained the staff at Dive Paradise all their instructors and dive masters, so it was kind of like going to Vail with a group of you know uh, wheelchair skiers you know uh, or skiers in wheelchairs and uh, only we were diving and uh, it was really great the staff there was jacked and pumped because now I was we're bringing all these adapt you know disabled divers down and they get hands on experience with them and you know and we and we were full circle for them exactly. Yeah. They yeah. got a chance, you know, from both ends of it and uh, finally saw some of the rewards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hotel Cozumel did not have one accessible room when we started, and now they have 10 wheelchair accessible rooms. And they're pumped about putting more in. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to have resorts all over the world. And you could go to our website under resources and find, uh, you know, ADA, American Disabilities Act, um, compliance guidelines. And, um, and outlines and, and Cliff Notes versions of that so that, you know, if you're a resort in Saba, you know, you could say, what do we have to do to our resort to make it friendly for people with – and really wheelchair accessibility is the only – the main thing that you're looking for. Uh, there's a lot of disabilities um, that don't need wide wheel – you know, doorways and don't sure. need this, this sink right. height, don't need grab bars and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And now in those cases like that, uh, you say that they've gone from zero to uh, to ten rooms that are accessible. Um, is that because they saw the benefit of being compliant? Um, uh, it wasn't yep. because they were mandated to be ten, was it? Oh no, oh absolutely. I mean, I've lobby, I've been lobbying them very hard, and as I brought more and more, I mean, I've been going there for a lot of years, and and as I would bring more and more at that, you know divers with disabilities down, they would say, well, you know, they got all of a sudden became very interested and said, well, there's a market here. What do we do? Sure. You know? It's and in it's, our interest too. Sure. Exactly. It's market driven. And this is also a tiebreaker in business. I tell these guys, these shop owners that come up to me at DEMA and different shows, I said, you know, when, when you when we do this program and, and the media comes in and they do a newspaper article, for example, and they, they take the photos and it's on page one of section three and you take that and you laminate it and you frame that article and you put it up next to your BCs in your, in your store. Now somebody that's that shop in your store, you know, they may come up to you and go, hey, you know what? I was going to buy this on Leisure Pro because it's cheaper. 
But you know what? I like what you're doing in the community with vets with disabilities. And you know what? I'm going to buy it from you, even though it's a few bucks more. And that's a great way for dive shops to be able to compete. And 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 be it's a tiebreaker. You know, you're, if you're if you're doing something good for the community. People are going to respond to that, and they're going to they're going to you know want to spend their money with somebody that's making a difference in the world. Right. That is so true. Now, do you have a moment that sticks out uh, in your mind of of some of these experiences you've had with the organization? Oh man, you know, I, tons tons of moments. That's for sure. Uh, you know, watching you know watching the buddies respond at the end, the able body divers that come to help out. Um, especially the first timers who who all of a sudden see what this does does for people with disabilities to see them go through this transformation and and all of a sudden you know realize that um, you know how powerful it is and uh, you know you know a lot of a lot of people with um, um, with uh, you know, like babe excuse me <laughs> a, lot, a lot of uh, a lot of baby boomers and. Uh, and people with um, sorry, we get uh, there. We go. Sorry about that. Um, they um, they're looking for something to do. They're looking to give back, and um, this is a great opportunity to to give back. And and I think this is a great opportunity to bring young people into service. We have scouts that help us out, and we reach out into schools. and And if we can get young people helping other young people with disabilities, I mean, we've done something for the world because you can't you cannot be a better person when you do this. I mean, you, you're giving and you're seeing how lucky you are, you know, and every morning you get up then and you go, wow, you know what? I'm, I'm vertical, which is, which is a gift. And, you know, I'm going to the bathroom and I'm not using a catheter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, it's really powerful stuff and it changes their lives. I've had people that never even thought about scuba diving, saw a newspaper story, called me and said, Jim, you know what? I want to be part of this and teach me how to dive and then teach me how to be a buddy because I really went in on this. And and that's that's the power of it. It's it's going to grow the industry, not just with disabled divers, but every, if every you know diver with a disability needs two buddies, do the math, right? You know, you bring on a few, you know, thousands of adaptive, you know, disabled divers, and you're going to bring on tens of thousands of buddies. Uh, those numbers sound good. Uh, yeah, that, the, that ex- exponential growth. Yeah, because you know, and and that's this is how they, you know, I, I mean, you don't have to, to to talk to a lot of people to say, hey, who knows somebody with a disability, and and you'll get three or four hands in a room of ten, you know. So so now what you do is is you know, the person with the disability reaches out to their family and friends and coworkers and, you know, comrades in arms if they're from the military and they can, and that's how it grows. You know, this guy, this, this buddy, you know, who's a Marine, you know, vet, he may never have thought of, of scuba diving, but he'll, he'll become a, a scuba diver to help his buddy who is in his, his unit, who has a traumatic brain injury. You know what I mean? He'll do that to be with him and to help him. Where would you so like, a, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying that's the power of that. Very powerful. Uh, where would you like to see the organization in a couple of years? Well, I'd like to see a facility here in, in the Chicagoland area um, that would service the world. Uh, I'd love it to be free for people with disabilities, vets and kids and anyone who, who would come in here with a disability. Um, I'd like it to be a training facility as well as an educational facility and, and that, paradigm, that, that vision that we had of training people up to have a career and, and a vocation 
and minimally an interest and a hobby in, in scuba diving and, and coral reef restoration and, and, and doing great things for the environment, that would be a, a secondary goal. Um, but also facilitating programs all over the world is is important. Uh, getting out to the resorts, training the teams there, um, the instructors and the dive masters, so that there are places to go. You know, you can train somebody how to do you know blind skiing in, in the Midwest, and it's fine and good. But if when you go out to Vail, there's no instructors to help you. You know, you're kind of SOL. So. Basically, you know, make sure it's multi. It's kind of a multifaceted approach. You're you're training on a local level and regional level, and facilitating new programs and, and promoting disabled diving all over. But we also are um, out there trying to get out to the you know the the Belize's and the Cozumel's and the Cayman Islands to to train up the facilities there and get them on board and have them realize how powerful this is potentially. Certainly, an amazing program. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's. I work seven days a week. I tell you what, I, you know, I thought I worked hard in the media business. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was nothing compared to this. I, I I probably put in four to six hours extra a day doing this, and I work seven days a week. So that you know, that gives me a hundred extra days. I figure that I'm on the job, and if I can't get something done doing that, man, I'm doing something <laughs> wrong. So, but it's been powerful, and I think we're at the tipping point where, um, you know, after you know we incorporated in 2001, and and we worked very very hard and got a great team of people that that helped us do this all over the world, and um, and and we're it's really starting to to catch, and as these new programs crop up all over, and you know, um, it it just you see it taking hold, and and it's gonna it's gonna rock, and it's gonna grow the dive industry if if. Uh, you know, and whether they like it or not, basically, to be honest with you, because this is really part of therapy. And, and so I just presented to the American Physical Therapists Association in San Diego at their annual convention. And they were so jazzed. I mean, you know, in a 20 minute presentation, they're going, we're going to link to your site. OK, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, sure. And they go, will you speak at our, our next conference? I'm like, sure, absolutely. Because they understand the benefits of water therapy. And that's what that's that's where it's going. It's really medicine. It's medicine and therapy and rehab that's going to drive this thing. It's uh, whether the dive industry likes it or not. Well, we went to the Our World Underwater Show in Chicago, and just walking the show floor, the most packed booth there was a dive heart booth. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and it it draws good people. It's a good person magnet, and um, you know when it, when a store or, um, or a dive club or you know, starts a program in their area and gets the word out that they're that they're doing this. It draws good people. It draws people with the right kind of heart, with the right kind of motivation. And um, you know, you, you alleviate a lot of problems that way. I mean, if you get somebody coming in for the right reasons because they're passionate about helping people and making the world a better place, you have a whole different kind of customer and a whole different kind of you know um, member if, it, if it's if it's a club or something. Certainly do. Now, uh, what are some good ways of people to find more information? You mentioned the website. Uh, I'm looking at DiveHeart.com, but you also own DiveHeart.org. Yeah, di- .org is our, our main site, .com and .net point to .org. So okay. uh, .org would be the way to go. Since we're a nonprofit, we got an ORG. Okay. Um, yeah, and then um, – you know they can always you know go there and get our, our phone number and um, you know my cell is is always on and people want to call me at, at 630-408-1920. Um, I I pick up the phone if I'm awake anytime day or night and um, 
sometimes I'm passed out on my computer doing emails, but it's, uh, you know, it's all good stuff. So it's, uh, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm 52 now and I can't imagine retiring. Um, I can't imagine not working seven days a week. I mean, if my health holds up, I'll do this until I drop and, um, you know, hopefully leave something. Yeah, you can certainly tell that you you are invested in this wholeheartedly, and the, you love what you do, and and what a benefit to be able to drive something like this forward and help all the people, um, it, both both those who are uh, less able and those who are fully able but never really appreciated what they had. Yeah, and and you know this is great for divers too because if somebody loves diving and they want to help people. I mean, when you marry these two things together and go, wow, you mean I can go scuba diving and help someone, you know, and volunteer. <laughs> right. It's like, ah, oh, that's a win-win, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, great stuff. Well, we, we we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and uh letting us know how this program works. Oh, no problem at all. And, and uh, you know, we're again, we're I'm a volunteer. I mean, I don't draw a salary, and and nobody here, you know, draws a salary. So we're, we're, you know, we're always out fundraising. Unfortunately, until Bill Gates, uh, who I think is a diver, until he decides to write a check, or Paul Allen, or you know, somebody who's um, got a few million dollars can can write a check, and we have an endowment, and I can focus only on programming. Um, we'll be doing fundraising too. So anybody who wants to help us out. Um, and we kind of earmark money for for different areas. So our Miami team, and you know, when we do stuff down in South Florida. Um, you know, we can, you know, people can say, "Hey, I really want this to help people in, in my community." And if we got people in their community that that can make it happen, we'll definitely do that. So, well, anytime you need a hand, just let us know. We'll definitely give you a plug, and uh, we'll be we'll be looking to help out the organization here locally. Well, you're you're doing it now, and I really appreciate that. So thanks for your. Uh, your support and friendship and, um, you know, just, uh, keep an eye on us and, and keep us, you know, in, in your loop and, and any, I'm happy to come and talk about anything that we do and, and we're doing new stuff all the time. Um, I didn't mention something's really exciting that we're working on is a program with the Chicago park district, um, and childhood obesity. Um, this is my, my treasurer is 400 pounds and, and actually he, um, you know, he looks like a feather in the water, obviously, you know, when he gets neutrally buoyant and is working on his instructor certification. And I would encourage um, us to reach out to, you know, children and adults with obesity issues and say, hey, you know what, let's get you in the water. And, and you know, they're not going to put uniforms on and go out on the court and play anything. And they're not going to, you know, the the corner, you know, um, you know, monkey bars or, or, you know, working out, you know, they're, they're staying out of pub- the public eye because they're, they're embarrassed and ashamed. And, and if they can be with somebody they love and somebody who cares about them and they can get in the water and do something that is good exercise as well as something that takes a load off, takes gravity off of their body and something that they can build a, a you know, an interest in and, and get involved in again, core reef restoration or something like that. Now you, you've done something for the individual and, 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 you know, you hope that they go in, in the direction of, you know, losing, you know, losing weight and, and getting in shape, but it's definitely a, an option for them that's unique uh, and, and there's no gravity. So it, it really helps them physiologically. Well, certainly. And anytime you're not sitting on the couch or not moving around, uh, get that activity going. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not as hard as, you know, you know, even walking for somebody who's four five, 600 pounds is, is a big deal. Okay, well, we'll we'll let you get going. We appreciate you coming on the program. 
Yes, well, thank, thank you for your time. Oh, no problem. Thank you. And, you know, um, you know, together we're going to do some great things. So I appreciate your support. You're most welcome. Wow. That was great. We sure appreciated uh, Jim Elliott coming on the program. Yeah, it was a, an eye-opener to listen to uh, to some of that stuff. Uh, how how much work goes in behind the scenes to try and uh, to fund a program like that uh, takes a lot of dedication on all of the volunteers' parts and the benefactors. Yeah, so so once again, make sure you head over to the DiveHeart uh, website, uh, DiveHeart.org. Uh, you know, if you can spare a little money, uh, go ahead and send some that way. Uh, they also are going to be up at the uh, Ghost Ship Festival in Milwaukee. I'm sure they're going to be selling some uh, tickets like they were this last week. And even better yet, if you can donate some time, uh, they would definitely appreciate it. So uh, speaking of dive shows, uh, this this last week, uh, Don and I and Bob and, um, oh, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, I think Kirk was there, wasn't Kirk, he? Yep, Kirk was there. We we headed over to the Ford Seahorses uh, show, which was the ship, the Great Lakes Shipwreck Festival. And uh, just as much as we enjoyed the Chicago show, uh, the the one in Ann Arbor, Michigan, was great as well. Uh, excellent program put on, very well done. Uh, you know, the selection of booths is a little bit smaller, which you would expect in a smaller location, but the seminars are just as good. In fact, some of the some of the people presenting there were the same ones that had done the Chicago show. Uh, so uh, I, I got to see we did a lot of the uh, uh, we, wreck diving. They had they showed us some wrecks. Uh, we also had uh, a couple people out there giving advice on cold weather diving. But you know I I've been doing doing these ice dives in the dry in the wetsuit, and I thought you know I've got this all covered. What am I going to learn? But there's always more to learn. So, uh, you know, a few tricks. Uh, the one thing that really stuck out in my mind is uh, the presenter was saying, you know, make sure you can do everything with your gloves because that's one thing I'm bad about. I take the gloves on, I put them off, uh, swapping about. So I, I think I might have to wear them around the house, get some strange looks, but uh, play around <laughs> with the gear. <laughs> You'll get strange looks anyway, so kick the gloves on. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. So, uh, but, you know, the presenters, and then we had... Uh, uh, you know, one on the, the, they're looking for a plane out here in, in Lake Michigan and they were showing some progress they were doing on that hunt. Uh, that, that did, that was real well. Oh, and, uh, just some of the booths, you know, they see some of the quarries or uh, white star quarry around here and they were showing some of the stuff that they've got, you know, we'll have to get over there and dive. Uh, and then Jim, I guess you, would you, you ran around while I was at the show and you went and was looking at some dive gear. Oh geez, yeah, my uh, my quest for uh, <clears throat> dry suit information uh, continues. Uh, you know, I really haven't made up my mind of what I want, what I need. Um, I just know that next year I'd like to go dry. Um, watching some of the guys stay down for upwards of an hour while I was trying to get out of the water at 20 minutes uh, makes up my mind that to to get the most out of diving, uh, I want to stay in longer and then stay in longer when it's cold out. I'm going to have to be dry. So we took a look at a bunch of brands. Um, you know, uh, there was some some Harveys I uh, tried on, um, took a look at some dive concepts, looked at, uh, uh, took a look at one white, looked, looked at some bear, um, a little bit of everything. Um, liked them all, didn't get any of them yet. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm to the point where 
I think I just need to dive them. You know, my goal is by the end of August to have purchased a dry suit. So I, I think I just need to get them on because you, you listen to some of the stories about the guys buying a dry suit and then deciding that it was maybe a little bit too stiff. They couldn't reach their valves. Uh, just I can tell like it. you it was uh, – <clears throat> you can see on Discovery Channel when they do dirty jobs and Micro delivers a calf um, coming out the birth canal. Uh, that was me trying to get into that, that dry suit. <clears throat> there was nothing <laughs> – <laughs> nothing uh, nothing that looked good about that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just trying to pitch you come out the rear end of a cow, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I've had my head up, but, but that's about it. Yeah, well, since, since we're talking about dry suits, let's jump over into the news. Uh, the one that really caught my eye and I think we'll lead off with, uh, since we're talking about dry suits, is white is purchased by Aqualung this week. And what I thought was oddest about this story is when I first saw it, you know, like all good news stories, they start on Twitter. And I saw somebody mention it and I followed the link and it was just a little blurb. You know, and I retweeted it and I thought, you know what, that, that could just be a rumor. Right. So I spent the next day and a half searching, visit the white site, visit the uh, Aqualung site, couldn't find anything. And then finally on Facebook, on the Aqualung page, they said, welcome to the White family. So to me, that is confirmation unless somebody hacked the Aqualung site on the Facebook. Uh, but there's just no discussion on it. So I don't know if they're in a quiet period, you know, like what can happen with an organization. But uh, so it's been verified. If you go on the scuba board and do a search around there, you're going to see that there's some uh, dive shop owners who said they've gotten letters that basically verify that the purchase has gone through. It's effective March 1st. And at the current point, no distribution channels have changed and everything is as is. Right. So, but to me, I think that's a positive thing. Uh, when I look at the local dive stores, it seems like you have a few different categories. You have a, a dive store that's very, you know, retail entry level and they don't have a big depth. You know, there's, they might be selling a lot of gear, but it's pretty much beginner gear. You know, they, they don't go too deep into it. And that's what I'm hoping is that a lot of those dealers are Aqualung. You know, nothing wrong with Aqualung dealers, but they're Aqualung. And I'm hoping that this will get some dry suits in there. They, Because, you know, while these stores may even have a dry suit, they usually don't have that depth of product. And, you know, there, it might be, you know, something that just doesn't quite meet where we're heading. Right. Have some more access to product. Now, the way I understood it, I did look at a, um, a press release um that says that the the dealer networks are going to remain independent just because you're an Aqualung dealer does not mean you're going to be a Whites dealer and vice versa. Um, so I don't know what that's going to do for some of the smaller shops, um, but that does bring up a point that I've been wrangling with that's uh, not necessarily related to the, the news itself, but when your local dealer um, may not carry exactly what you're looking for um, and you want to buy local, does that put you in kind of a, a predicament? Well, it does for me because, you know, there might only be two stores local to us. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get them locally, I mean, at what point is it not local? Is is 30 miles local and 60 miles is not local? Uh, <laughs> right. Is it 80 miles? Is it, you know, and when you, to me, when you start getting about 200 miles, then, you know, 
that, that's almost the same as mail order to a certain aspect. I mean, yeah. And, and in fact, you know, it's the thing is if you look at some of these mail order vendors, h- half of them have a local outlet. Yeah, you know, they just didn't go out, out one day and say, I'm going to form an online business. That's uh, right. Th- they're just looking at ways of stretching their sales and supplementing. Uh, and, and it's effective if you've got a line. Now, I'm sure that some of them are, are probably dancing a fine line with some of their agreements with their suppliers. Uh, right. And that's one of the, the concerns about Whites. Whites has been very, uh, very uh, open to dealing over Internet sales and allowing dealers to adjust prices, from what I understand, uh, whereas Aqualung is very strict on what they, they will allow and won't allow their dealers to do with their product. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Now, does that does Aqualung carry that over into the Apex line? Uh, yes, okay. I believe so. I believe they they uh, control their price structure there too. Okay, I, I didn't know if maybe they had one line that they were they were tightly controlling another one open, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. They've been awful quiet about it, which means they either have some legal reason they can't talk about it or. They haven't quite formalized uh, an official position that they want to communicate, but you know it, it, it makes for some good news, and we'll certainly keep watching it. Uh, the next uh, story in the news is a scuba diver drug smuggler is foiled in a sewer. <laughs> that sounds bad all the way around. You know, I love these that make some really good uh, you know uh, search engine. Uh, candy where they uh, you know it gets us some hits but yeah I, I had to go and view that one so you know I, and I'm trying to picture you know what kind of smuggler is down in the sewers but as, as it appears and this is over in Arizona is that border agents seized a scuba tank and two bundles of marijuana Friday from a man wading through a sewer system just e- east of the Douglas point of entry uh, agents how they how they spotted it is they were monitoring it with a an infrared camera and they, they were seeing these people cross the border, uh, and they said they could see one of them carrying bundles, and then six people crossed back to Mexico, and then the agent couldn't find the bundles. Uh, and they just happened to be at the right spot at the right time while they're looking for the packages. The agents noticed bubbles floating uh, from a sewer opening, and they headed north to investigate and then came across the manhole and opened it. And uh, there's a man in a uh, black and purple wetsuit sporting a scuba tank and diving mask. And he was loaded up with some marijuana. And he went right underneath the agents. And they noticed him. And the guy dropped his stuff. And he waded back to Mexico. But uh, they've got an interesting picture. We'll link this into the show notes. And they got this tank. It looks like it was dragged behind a pickup truck. And a mask, a reg, and a gauge. So, you know, I'm looking at this. And this poor smuggler, he didn't have an octo with a backup. So, uh, the, you know, as you're looking at that, what could that do for your buoyancy? Yeah. You, you know, you didn't have a weight belt, you know, uh, you know, I think they should take a C card away from him. I think so too, <laughs> or else develop a special class for it. Well, actually I was kind of wondering, is Patty going to start a class on, uh, smuggling? I mean, can I get that as a, as my next certification? <laughs> it probably, you probably could, you probably could. <laughs> And we're looking at ways to extend some of this, uh, you know, some of the the dive industry revenue. So that might be uh, an option. You know, we we say that in jest, but uh, I, I I've uh, every once in a while we'll read articles about uh, uh, people smuggling stuff out, uh, or including smuggling out people. 
we're right. Well, now we need to be careful too, because now that they're involving scuba gear in in uh, the drug trade, um, we may start to see uh, different waiting periods imposed and uh, purchase regulations <laughs> beyond uh, self-imposed regulations uh, set up by the dive shops. Um, we may have a real problem here. So, so you're saying that we might have a waiting period. You know, we'll go in and. You have to do a permit for it. It'll take some fingerprints, and then you know you're gonna have oh, to wait yeah. wait 30 days before you get your your tank. Yeah, why would the average person need more than uh, more than two masks or, or regulator sets? Anything more than that, you've really got to be suspicious of what their motives are. Oh, and maybe we can only do like 2,200 pounds. You know, 3,000 mm-hmm. is too much. You know, it gives you too much downtime. So, you know, it's too easy to get across the border that way. That's right. That's right. Why would you Why would you want to have that amount of downtime? Oh, I I can't imagine. Okay, and the next article we have here is a, uh, it's one of a shark tale in South Africa. When, and when I originally put it in, I, I was all excited. I said, I have to talk about it. And now I'm reading through it, and I can't remember why I marked it. But uh, uh, it, it's it's basically just uh, talking about some uh, uh, people doing some uh, shark dives. So, which is which is interesting to me, and I, I guess what what I thought was interesting about it was, you know, a lot of times you see these shark dives where people are chumming, and inducing people, uh, inducing the sharks, and in this case, they're just going out and diving with the sharks. Would do you think you'd have the guts to do that? I think I would. You know, I, not saying I wouldn't be nervous. You know, and you know, my wetsuit might be a little bit more wet, but. It would be good to, you know, I, I think I would. I, you know, maybe I just don't have a healthy enough fear. I'd like to think I have enough respect for him. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe if he goes and nibbles on my arm a little bit, <laughs> then my opinion might might change. But, uh, you know, you know, and this organization is, or this organization, this shop is uh, using it as a way of getting people to dive. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, that's a good one. And then we have uh, uh, Dive Education Company moves to its new headquarters. We have Naui has uh, gotten their new headquarters in place and has moved in. So if you want to read an article about that, we'll have uh, show notes to it. I, I don't know how exciting a new building is, but it, it has to be good things for the organization. Uh, they're the oldest dive uh, certification uh, group in, in the world. Uh, this is their 50th year, and so just in time, uh, their their new or their new building is ready for them. Yeah, now he's uh, one of the other big names in uh, scuba training for recreational divers. And then the last article is, and this is another one where you're going to have to go out and check out the pictures. A shark with a frisbee around its neck is rescued by divers, and uh, this is uh, there are two divers out. Uh, they were diving on a wreck, and they happened to notice that uh, there was this shark with something around its neck, and it, and it was a frisbee. And at first, I'm thinking, of, how can you get a frisbee around your neck, shark or otherwise? I but, thought the same thing. But what it is is if if you've ever seen those frisbees that are a disc, you know they're and they're usually a pretty big disc. It's not like it's a it's a tiny disc they're usually i'd have to say about 16 18 inches in diameter and I've, I've actually thrown them around they're nice and light you know mm-hmm. sometimes a big frisbee you know can sting your fingers you really get that weapon or if you intentionally trying to hit somebody in the head with it uh but these 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 thinner ones are are a little bit uh lighter 
but they have a hole opening in it. And I guess anything with a hole in it like that, you know, something's going to get in it. And the case of a, in, in the case of a shark, he just couldn't get out. So these, these two divers happened to notice this shark with this frisbee around its neck, and uh, they went over. And, you know, we talked about in the previous article diving with a shark. What does it take to go and grab a shark and then wrestle the frisbee from its neck? And that's what they did. <laughs> uh, they right. noticed that it was uh, looked a little emanci- uh, emanciated. Masticated, emaciated, emaciated. Here we go. We got it now. Just took well, a little bit. they took the emaciated shark and emancipated it from the frisbee. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you look at the picture, and it does. I mean, it looks like it was dehydrated, and uh, and, and he, he gives it a bear hug. Uh, so he's 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 you know he's kind of like the Heimlich maneuver. So he's got the shark in the inside of his right arm, and then he's taking it out with his he's he's twisting the uh the frisbee off its head with his left hand and uh you know the uh, after a little bit of prodding and it's it's great they had shot so you know the, you're the buddy and it's you got the one guy's got the shark and the, it's like no that's okay you got that i've got the camera right right <clears throat> and you know the line that catches my eye in here is read this uh his brave companion grabbed the shark by the frisbee you don't read that just anywhere no no that's uh, it's great and, and it's, and it's good. I mean, it, it makes you feel good that you're able to save a creature, uh, that would normally be impaled. And we just, we just don't think about, uh, some of the stuff that we right. throw in. Cause I could easily, if this would be something I could have easily done, I could have been playing Frisbee with my kids and, you know, one errant throw and there it lands in the river and sinks to the bottom and you'd never think about it. But, right. you know, I, I'm just imagining that this, uh, you know, yeah, if I, I'm trying to think of how the shark got on it because I don't really consider them a bottom feeder so maybe it had lodged itself off and he swam through it or it saw it coming down I mean, it would have been interesting to see how it had gotten there but needless to say obviously it is uh, I don't think somebody staged this picture just to uh, to take the frisbee off the shark but oh I would hope not I'd hope not so uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes so so that's it uh, for the news uh uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, this next dive. Uh, you know, we've got the we've, we've done the last two weeks have been dive shows. We still have one more week of dive shows coming up, but I, I think we're going to leave the di- this next show in the capable hands of Jim uh, and uh, the other Jim and Mac, and we'll have to have them on next week and have them tell us about the Ghost Festival, Ghost Ship Festival. Right. Right, get a good uh, debrief from them. And, and that's a great show because if you've wanted to try a rebreather, you can register for it. I believe it's a $75 fee other than the cost to get into the show. And you get to try out a couple rebreathers. And it's 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 not quite a class, but you get to have some hands-on. So if you've thought about a rebreather or, or wondered about one, uh, it's a good thing. Uh, actually, this this last week's dive show, they, they did have somebody there talking about rebreathers. And it, it was interesting. It was, a, it was a gentleman from Dive Right, and he wasn't there to sell you a rebreather. He was doing the hard sell of trying to sell you out of one. So he was trying to. That's an interesting spin. Interesting spin. You know, uh, he, he he claimed right up front he wasn't a salesperson, but they went through, you know, all the things that you need to be concerned about. And we're gonna we're gonna have a rebreather experts come on the show here, and in the, in the next uh, within the next month we'll have some on. We've got. Uh, 
our diving friend Bob's rebreather, and we know a few other rebreathers out there, and maybe we'll get some specialists on to go ahead and talk about them. But uh, I don't think I got a rebreather in my near future, but I definitely want to get one. And luckily, my wife doesn't listen to podcasts, so I'll tell you what this gentleman said. And he said, if you don't have ten thousand dollars. Don't even think about a rebreather. Out of the, all the other things he was telling you why you don't want one. You know, he's saying if you don't die, if if you don't dive at least once every eight weeks all year round, don't get a rebreather. I mean, he had a whole list of reasons you don't get a rebreather, but he said, you know, if you're not willing to, to drop ten thousand dollars for the training, for the equipment, uh, just to use it that first year, then you're probably best to stay away from it. Very <clears throat> I think based simply on the dedication that it would take to, to safely operate and function um, alone, that's good advice. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, I do, I mean, I don't think the cost is going to come down a great deal, but I do think it's going to get simpler. I mean, there's a lot that you have to do. There's a, a whole new level of buoyancies you have. You have your counter lung that affects your buoyancy, most like you're driving a, dive suit, a dry suit. So you're going to have that buoyancy. So there's a lot into it, and we'll bring that up on that program when we go ahead and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since we got Don and Jim, we've sent them off to the show, or they've sent themselves, but we'll take credit for it, even though they did. And then uh, while they're over slaving away at the dive show, we're going to be diving. Well, of course. Hi. I mean, it's been two weeks for me, and what has it been, three for you? Mm-hmm, but I'm not counting. You're not counting. Uh, I, I'm, no, I'm it's counting. Been three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. I think I think I, I've got the a counter. Yeah, that, that's probably another idea for some computer programmers out there is uh, to integrate in your dive log. So not only does it tell you what you dove, but how many minutes since your last dive. But anyway, we're going to get in the water this next week, and I am certainly excited about it. I I, I want to get in, and uh, we've spotted a uh, spotted. We scouted a spot. Or by the channel, I'll take some pictures tomorrow. But I think this might be—I'll say it's our last opportunity. But this time of year is the best time to get in the channel because once the boat traffic starts, we can't dive there. So, and I really want to know what it looks like in this spot. You know, I, uh, for the last 30 years, I've walked up and down that pier, and. I just have mm-hmm. no idea what the bottom looks like. I mean, even with all the diving we've done, I imagine it can't be much different, but I certainly like to see it. And, I'm, and also, I'm kind of wonder what the, the the sides are. You know, it's a, it's a, the Army Corps of Engineers built this in the 40s, or at least that was probably one of the last times they, they remodeled uh, that part of it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what it, what it looks like down there, what we can find. And I bet we find a golf ball. <laughs> well, from the stories I'm hearing, it's guaranteed. Yeah. It's guaranteed I'm going to be disappointed if we don't. Well, I, I've been told that we can't count it as a dive if we don't find a golf ball. Uh-oh. So we'll, we'll have to be out there now. It's not to say I might not drop a few in tomorrow so we can find them Saturday. We've been known to seed, uh, seed objects in the river there that we need to go find. Right. Uh, uh, we, we won't admit to it. But, right. Uh, yeah. I think you just did. Did I? Nobody yeah, listens to this. Uh, no, so we're, maybe not. We're, we're safe. Nobody nobody heard this. So, uh, But uh, I think the only thing they can throw the plan off is I just wonder, and, and that will be the good thing about scouting the pictures tomorrow, what the ice flows are like. Well, it depends. If if uh, if it's bad there, we can move upriver a little bit and uh, 
and and hit there um, into where the little mooring station is and <clears throat> check that out. That'll be a good one. Yeah, we, we can go in there in the turn basin. Uh, There's some odd currents last time I, I dove up there, a little bit of counter current. We had some a little bit of breeze coming in from the offshore. Uh, I'll have to make arrangements with Don tomorrow to pick up uh, uh, that uh, dive shanty. Now, was Don leaving tomorrow? Did I read um, that right? No, I think he's headed out uh, Saturday morning, isn't Saturday. he? Saturday. I'll have to check. We've got some good chats going on in, in the chat room. Uh, so if you you know if, you, if you're not listening live, you, you should try it at least once or twice. Uh, good discussions going there. We have Mark from Virginia and we have Mac our mentor from Michigan. And uh, and for Mark talking about some of the warm water dives with excellent visibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 80, <laughs> Seriously, thanks for sharing that. That's 80, good stuff. 84 degrees isn't that close to the boiling point of water? Can you safely dive in 84 degrees? No, it's it's unsafe. As I've said before, the the excessive uh, visibility. Um, you, you don't, uh, it, it, it causes you to want to wander off and, and not focus. And when it's so, uh, so warm like that, you don't have proper protective, uh, gear on and It's just not good conditions to dive in. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds awful dangerous to me. So, <clears throat> Hey, the report from the scout is that, uh, we've got open water all the way down the channel, um, for, uh, for our dive Saturday. And, uh, hopefully we have, uh, the drive conditions for those guys are, are just as clear. Well, that's going to be great. And then I, I back to the uh, dive show. I did an impulse buy. Uh, I no. that, Yeah, I did. I, I, I've been eyeing these uh, cameras. And like I said, the week before somebody had one and it, it was a nicer camera than the one I ended up buying. But you know, I, I kind of did wanted to get like the cheapest thing possible. And I've been looking and there's a, cha- a camera that was online uh, for about $44. And I thought, well, if I ever see one of these, and I saw one, and it was fifty dollars to show, and I figured, ah, fifty dollars, forty-four dollars, saving the shipping. So I picked up the camera, and I have to say, uh, you know, it's not that bad. Now I took some pictures out of water, and you know, the, the tough thing is is holding it still enough for it not to be shaky out of water, and I'm hoping that the resistance in the water might help it out, or it's got a timer set, setting. But this is designed to be just a step above a disposable camera. In fact, the company that makes it, uh, Intova, and I think they've changed their name. I think they used to have another name. But uh, they used to make disposable film cameras, and this is a digital. So if you imagine just a tiny plastic housing, and it's clear, so you can see the circuit board takes uh, two AAA batteries, uh, it's just a nice little camera, and that's what I wanted. I wanted something to, you know, I, I'm still enjoying so much of the diving just to dive. I don't want to have my head buried in the in the back end of a camera. But there's times down there where I'm like, you know what, I'd like my wife to see this or my friends to see that. And then we're trying to get on, you know, we want some bio pictures, you know, where I, I take a picture of Jim, hand him the camera, he takes one of me, so we can actually prove that we do dive. You, know, you can see some underwater pictures. Otherwise, I think we're just kind of streakers in the middle of the winter who want to get out in the cold weather. In our parents' basement. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and we deny all those allegations. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I th- so what I'll do, I'm going to do a formal review. This will be one of the first products on the website that we, we'll do a full review on it. And I've, I've got some opinions on it. Uh, but I want to play around with it, and we'll upload some pictures so you can see it. But I, you know, I thought for fifty dollars I can't go wrong. It only goes down to fifty feet, 
So, you know, that, that is a downside, you know, and, and I'm sure it's not like 51 feet, but, you know, as it gets older, you know, I might like torture it a little bit, see how far we go down. And, and what I plan on doing is actually throwing this like in a Ziploc bag, and it's going to be in my BC pocket, you know, attached off to a snap. So it's going to vibrate around and get scratched up and dirty because I might not use it every time, but I want to have it there if I, if I take a picture. So we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, review that. Uh, I should expect to have a full review for next week. What do you think you're gonna? We're gonna see down there, Jim. Um. Well, I don't know. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to come up with a, a nice bottle uh, or something like that. But you know, I'd I'd really like to see some of the the big catfish that are in the river, and um, if we can sneak up on one, I'd like to see how big they really are. Yeah, and and it won't be a. You know, I'm not a camera expert, so we won't be doing any trick photography, but. Uh, I, I keep hearing like the first time I heard it was three feet and then it was five feet. And I think I've heard what 12, 16 feet now is what these catfish get up to. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> it's about this big. Like, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's anything to do with water sports. Uh, exaggeration goes along with it. Exactly. So, uh, so we'll get that dive. So we're definitely looking forward to it, to be able to get in some, you know, breathe on some, some canned air. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, I was telling my wife about the Wii game, and the kids love Wii games, so we actually broke down and bought the the Endless Ocean. Now, we got the original. There's two versions. There's a new one that came out, and at the same time, and this was in, you know, do a plug for Best Buy, who's not a sponsor, but they could if they wanted to send us, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars could do it. Uh, but we, we bought the Wii game, Endless Ocean, and... What was interesting about it is it's got the We Speak attachment, so you got the game and We Speak for twenty nine. And normally, just to buy that We that We Speak attachment, you'd, it would cost you twenty nine. So you're not on anything if you don't like the game, right? Exactly, and you can yeah. use another game. I think Animal Crossing and a, a few others. Yeah, it's and, and what the We Speak is, and when you look at the picture of the We Speak, it looks like it should be four inches. It can't be more than a couple inches. And it's a little microphone you stick on top of your TV. It has a USB cable. It plugs into the back of your Wii. Uh, and it's for just chatting, you know, uh, smack talk, you know. Uh, on the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3, people are using headphones. I guess Nintendo thought that, you know, a headphone's too cumbersome. We'll just do a speaker. So we've got that. I don't know how that works in the game. Haven't gotten that far, but I've thrown the, the video game on. And, you know, it, it's not too bad. You know, I, I kind of didn't have high expectations for it, and it's been okay. You know, odd thing is, and you saw that, the game, Jim, was mm-hmm. all the gear dangling. I mean, and it's not just dangling. It's like you would have to start. It's on a wire. Yeah, it, it's exactly. On, it's on a wire to stick it straight out. I don't understand. Uh, you know, it looks like they did a lot of attention to detail. Um, but then totally missed the mark on that one. But it is a game. Um, it's a video game. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it might have been technical reasons. Maybe the the physics for animating with all the gear being too close to the body. Because uh, you can pick your the person you are. You know, obviously male and female and body type. And I'm thinking that by making that gear be that far out, that it kept it clear of all the other stuff. And maybe as... I play it along, and you see some of the scenarios. It it might change, but uh, the navigation isn't too bad. Uh, the 
the quest line isn't too bad. I haven't been too annoyed about it. Uh, anything that bothers me is more what bothers me about the Wii. You know, when I first got the Wii, it was it was nice, but the graphics are getting a little old. It's time for Nintendo to up upgrade that. But I think we're still a few years out. So, uh, you know, I have to talk Jim into buying a copy, or uh, maybe we have to get the next game and we'll have to see what the online play is like. But uh, you know, it did kind of satisfy me a little bit. You know, it's not the same as diving, but you know, it's kind of like I think a picture of Smoker with like you know a little bit of the the patch or a little Nicorette gum. You know, it was this is this is just to bide you over. Yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, the kind of subdues the addiction. You know, it doesn't replace it, but uh, it makes it a little bit uh, better to hang on with. So. Uh, Gosh, I think we're getting to the end here. Do we have anything else to talk about? That pretty much wrapped it up. Uh, we're going to put up a new uh, a new poll um, this week on the forum. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely make sure. And then if you remember back a few weeks, we had Craig, Craig Rich on, uh, the author of uh, For Those in Peril Shipwrecks of Ottawa County, Michigan. And if you happen to be, and this is probably going to be limited to our Midwest Listeners, if you happen to be in the bookstore in the west side of Michigan, the books have actually arrived and they've shipped. If you went to Craig Rich's website, uh, which I think was craigrich.net, you can go and order the book or at least find out where you can get it. And so it's available now. And I'm going to be out. I'm an impulse buyer, so I need to go and actually find it. I couldn't possibly pre-order it. No, not that you knew about it beforehand. No, no, it's like you know, I've been, you know, and you know, the credit cards are so complicated. But uh, so, uh, but before we get going, uh, make sure everybody gets out to our website, uh, scubaobsessed.com. Follow us on Twitter, scubaobsessed. I am Darren Jilson, D A R R I N J I L L S O N, and Jim is J Kleeman, J K L I E M A N N. On Twitter, and, and and we Twitter quite a bit. You know, there's uh, you know, we got quite a few co- good conversations going on there. Some shout outs to our Twitter friends. Uh, we had a, had one uh, one gentleman just got his gear this week. He he had purchased. He was he's a certified diver and went out and purchased gear. So way to go, get in started early for the spring. Yeah, uh, so, and, and hoping to hear back from Tweet Ant. He's uh, he's on an awesome dive vacation and uh, haven't heard from him in a couple of days. Last time we heard from him, he was in the airport and uh, should be coming back soon to uh, fill everybody in. Yeah, uh, I'm jealous of all these these people dealing mm. tropical ports and uh, I got to get down there. And then you you've got a vacation coming up, don't you? I do. We're going to spend some time down in uh, in Florida in the Crystal River area. If anybody's got any uh, good out of the way dives or good suggestions down there, um, feel free to throw them out there. Uh, looking for good good shore dives down there is what I would like. Uh, that'd be a good good time. Yep. So again, make sure you jump in the forums and get the poll. We'll also uh, tweet some links to that that poll and also put some posts on the website to get you there. So uh, I, I've got yeah maybe this will be a regular part of the show but we're going to try it out this week it's the uh, scuba joke or bad scuba joke of the week you ready Jim? Uh-oh. I think <laughs> I am yep. so uh, we put it to the end so if you just can't survive through the joke you can just cut the, the podcast and you've only missed about 60 seconds so okay uh, 
what it is, there's these two divers in the water and they're checking out this new reef when they see a shark. The shark circles around them menacingly. One of the diver takes off his fins, reaches inside his BC, and he pulls out this pair of superpower fins. And then his buddy signals, and I don't know how he does this, but anyway, he signals and he says, what? You can't outswim a shark. And then the, the other diver signals back. He says, I don't have to outswim the shark. I only have to outswim you. Ba-dum-bum. So, yeah, we'll add, we'll add the, uh, the snare drum in post-production. So, on that note, I uh, hope everybody has a good week. Go out there and get wet. And dive safe, everyone. Okay, and I'm going to hit